Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) The second annual NDC Minnesota is coming up May 6th through 9th. Go to ndcminnesota.com today to register. And tell them Carl and Richard sent you. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. Can you believe where we are still? Are we in London? We are. That's true. We've been here for months. Months and months. (laughs) Soon we'll be in Portugal. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy to think about it. Yep. Anyway, uh, happy April to you all. And, uh, well, we've already said all the small talk we can possibly say. This is the last recorded show here in London. Not necessarily the order published, but the order recorded. Yep. So let's just roll the crazy music and we'll get on with it. Awesome. All right, dude, what do you got? You ever been in a a tunnel and your GPS goes wonky? Of course, because, you know, you can't see the satellites. Right. There's no signal down there. And yet some cities have the ability that they, everything keeps working. Everything. Cell phone works, radio works, and GPS works. Yeah, I mean, I've had the experience like in the tunnels in Boston. Boston is what I was thinking. Where of. the cell phones still work. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think the GPS works. The GPS works in Boston. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's because they put beacons in hmm. there. And so uh, here's a story in Engadget where Waze is putting beacons inside New York City tunnels now. Oh. It's, and it's issuing that it's ways. So folks that, you know, their business essentially is giving you good traffic data. Right. They want that. They get that traffic data from their users. Yeah. So they need good GPS data. Right. So it's a win, 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 win. So Waze is launching wireless beacons. And I say is. It's probably months months away now or months done now. Which help improve navigation in areas with unreliable GPS across the New York metro area. So you'll get them in familiar underground sections like the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, Holland Tunnel, Lincoln Tunnel, and Queens Midtown Tunnel. And it, it, it's, you know, it's 2019. Let's, yeah. uh, let's, let's have just, GPS in the tunnels. Let's have GPS just work everywhere. That works for me. Well, it also begs the question, GPS inside of buildings and stuff too, right? Right. Like getting, a, getting that all to generally work. Interior GPS has always been a thing. Right. It's never really been solved all that. Well, way. apparently Waze Beacons is doing it. Well, at least for tunnels anyway. Yeah, and if it works in tunnels, it'll probably work in Barnes and Noble, you know? Yeah, it's just a real question of precision. Like, yeah. when you start thinking about moving around inside of a building and we really want to know what room you're in, it's mm. a precision of a couple of meters right? rather than a dozen. It's got to be some serious triangulation going on. That's, yeah, yeah, lots yeah. of different trackers. All right, I th- bud. Yeah, I cool. thought that was an interesting geeky story, so that's that's why I brought it up. Who's talking to us? Grab it. Well, so listen, we haven't talked about templates in a while. Templates? Templates, yeah. Never heard of them. I haven't talked to templates in a while. Okay. So I grabbed a comment off of a show where we talked about templates. How long ago was it? Show 867. Oh, my God. We're at 1630? 867. Martin Rangue. What year was that? 2013. April of 2013. Now, I know we've talked about templates at other times since then, but this was really a show about templates Mm. from 2013. Okay. So, sort of six years later. And even more importantly, had some great comments attached to it, which I think six years later are still relevant. This comment comes from Donovan Crone, who says, this is a great show. It gave me an understanding of what all this T4 stuff was. Right. 
Uh, I had kept hearing about it, but I assumed it was just a hyped-up third-party toolkit and probably would just go away. <laughs> and here we are six years later. Nope. Dude, it has not gone away. Integral part of Visual Studio. Yeah. Who knew it was built into Visual Studio all this time? After hearing the show, I immediately fired up Studio, created an HTML, CSS template for automatically generated emails. It's a far better solution than using String Builder. And I have variables for the color scheme and inline CSS. No JavaScript needed which was crucial for an HTML email. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. cool application there, Donovan. And thanks for writing that comment to us six years ago. Right. And a copy of Used to Code By is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Used to Code By, write a comment on this website at .net rocks.com or via Facebook. We publish every show there. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, I'll send you a copy of Used to Code By. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet, but please run T4 first before you send it because we don't want any placeholders. <laughs> tweets. I don't want to see no placeholders. <laughs> that is a very precise concern you have there. It's, very, it's one of my pet peeves, placeholders in place tweets. Placeholders in tweets. That's not right. Does that happen? I don't I know, know that, actually. Let's uh, introduce Layla. Layla Porter is a self-taught .NET web dev and former Pilates teacher and professional horse rider. Cool. A well-rounded individual. Mm -hmm. She's passionate about Microsoft technologies and organizes the Milton Keynes .NET meetup group. Layla is a developer evangelist at Twilio based in London. And Milton Keynes is just north of here, right? It's about 60 miles north of okay. here. Okay. Yeah, wow. so really close, really commutable. So nice and easy for the office. Nice. Yeah. yeah, well, nice to meet you. Yeah. You've been outside the recording booth the whole week right? <laughs> <Just> <laughs> at the Twilio booth. Right outside the door. Yeah. 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 Well, first of all, I just want to tell you how much I love Twilio. I use it. It's one of those things that is so easy to do in just a couple of lines of code. That's great to To hear. send a message, and it's in my arsenal of, of stuff that I use over and over and over again. Yeah. Twilio folks also support uh, Humanitarian Toolbox, one of our projects already. Wow. We implemented Twilio for communicating with volunteers. But smoke detectors in homes didn't have them. Can I tell you what I did with Twilio? Go for it. I'd love really, to hear it. This is really um, – what you want to call it? I just did this for a vanity project. But okay. when I first started Music to Code By, I wanted to know when somebody bought something. And the email uh, emails would come through. But I wanted yeah. something a little more dramatic. Okay. So I set up Twilio to send me a message. And I did this with a web job in Azure. Yeah. That just looked at the database because there was no real trigger. There was no way for me to hook it in the code. Um, anyway, so I basically sent myself a text from uh, from the Pop store. Right. On a schedule? Said, no, no, no. Any time. Like oh, immediate, okay. almost immediately to the minute after somebody ordered music to code by. And then I associated that text number with a, a ringtone that went cha-ching. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All day, <laughs> all night. The only problem was I had to turn my speaker on, and I never have my right, know, right. my speaker on my notifications. But what's really cool is if I wanted to impress somebody, we'd be out for a beer or whatever, and uh, all of a sudden, cha ching! And then, oh, what's that? Oh, somebody just bought music to code by. <laughs> <laughs> That's insanely cool. That is very. Cool. I love it. Yeah, completely useless, but yes. I liked it. <sighs> you know, it's not useless if it makes you happy. That's true. It did make me happy at the yeah, time. At the time. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of people do it for when they get a, a mention on Twitter. Oh, yeah. All sorts of things people do for crazy things they'll do with Twitter and Twilio. And right. All sorts of things. So, yeah, there's, yeah. There's a lot of applications. It's also one of those common, like you think it's trivial to send an email or to send a text message and so mm -hmm. forth until you actually get into it. 
There's all these little subtle things about doing it well. Yes. Right? Like, There's so much that goes on behind the scenes at Twilio. Um, I'm actually really interested in the super network, we call it, which is all the carriers and how we actually deliver your text messages and mm -hmm. voice calls and everything. It's way harder than you think. Like that it stuff's is. remarkably broken, actually. Yes. Yeah. And it's really difficult to manage it. We have whole teams that just monitor it for downtime or if a carrier doesn't reach the end point, mm. right. they're always monitoring and they have fallback after fallback. So mm. it's it's a really in-depth, very specialized thing to do. Is there points where the Twilio folks are calling the carriers to let them know their gateways are broken? They will do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've well, got they good relations. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have um, really good relationships with the carriers and they need to because they're the ones that are brokering the deals for the routes and buying sure. numbers yeah. and things like that. So, yeah, it's a really interesting division of Twilio mm. that the public generally, it's a, it's a black box. Mm. You call a web job, um, you call the endpoint on Twilio mm -hmm. and then that just comes through and you get a text message. People don't think about what's actually had to go on behind right. that. Yeah. All the places you have to jump to actually make yeah. all that work. Right. But we were talking about templates. We were, weren't we? We were. I have a bit of a fascination about templates. Mm -hmm. I, uh, being self-taught, uh, solution templates were really good for helping me learn best practice. Nice. And then I love anything that makes code easier and more maintainable. So mm. my very, very first tech talk was on JavaScript templates. And, and that was because I loved the idea that you could just reuse code and it appealed to me. So yeah, it's turned into a little bit of an obsession. Um, and I get these. It's not an unhealthy obsession. No, <laughs> although some people may think that my obsession with orderliness and templating should go over to my stuff at home. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, that's where it, it stops. It stops. <laughs> okay, it stops yes. at templates. I'm the OCD with code. Get. Home, it's the first available surface. Nice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everything is a landing site. Yes. <laughs> now, typically you're only looking at templates as entry points into new projects. What are the ways you can use templates? So I like to use templates for perfecting my architecture. Mm -hmm. So if mm -hmm. I have a way that I've laid out a project and I really like the architecture, the the layers I've got into it, the, the base... Um, I guess the, the boilerplate that I need in that project, I like to put it in a template because yeah. then I can quickly get a new instance of that template, do a blog post on it or do just a demo or like here, I can quickly get a, a template instance on the, on the booth at, a, at an event and then code with somebody or, or help them with it. So. Is, is it as easy as save as template? Not far off it, to be honest. Huh. If you're in .NET Core, it's very simple. You just need to add a, a folder called .template.config uh, mm -hmm. and then a file in there, which is template.json. Um, and you've got some configuration that you can drop into that template.json. And then you just need one more thing in your CS proj, which is, is packable true? 
because okay. a lot of people don't realize that class libraries are always packable, mm -hmm. but you wouldn't traditionally make a NuGet package mm. out of um, an MVC project or something like that. Right. So yeah. class libraries by default are packable, but everything else you have to state that it's going to be packable. Okay. That's it. On the CLI, you just run a couple of commands and then you push it up to NuGet and you've got your template. So you're talking about NuGet packaging, not necessarily Visual Studio templates for new projects. You can do both. Okay. So if you want, if you've been on the .NET Core CLI, so you go .NET New, for example, you will be given a whole list of templates. Mm -hmm. And then from .NET Core 2.0, I believe it was 2.0, might have been 2.1, it uh, gave you the ability to add your own custom templates. Mm. And that's what I was interested in. And that was so I could install them just like any other template onto the CLI mm. and then go .NET new, whatever my template is called. Yeah. Now you can get those .NET uh, core NuGet package templates into Visual Studio. So when you go uh, file new project, mm -hmm. You just have to wrap them in a V6 project okay. type, which is the traditional way of making Visual Studio templates, okay. which mm -hmm. you still can do. Mm -hmm. So I find those a little bit harder. And I first came across those several years ago, right in my very first software job mm -hmm. uh, for a white label product. And I could just spool up new websites in a matter of maybe 30 minutes, mm. and I'd have an 80% ready-to-go website for a new client. Wow. So it was really powerful. Well, it makes you look magical, right? Like it does. You almost don't want to show that to them. It's like, I'm going to go away for a week. <laughs> and then, you know, next week I'll come back, I'll have something, you know, at 80%. And yeah. You just don't do anything for the week, and then just before you get there. Yeah. And then, <laughs> hey, look what I've already got done for you. How good am I? <laughs> so, So for the customization aspects of this, uh, you said a website could be 80% done. What about that other 20%? Do you use T4 for that? Do you, uh, is there a configuration that you could fill in all the, the gory details, connection strings, and all of those things to populate out the so, custom stuff? So in that instance, I did it uh, all manually. Mm -hmm. um, so it was mainly front-end and being full stack on that, I would have to go in and do all the CSS and right. customize the look and feel of the website. Yeah. But as to all the connection strings, it was literally just one connection string. It was all code first, so I could just wow. run it and it would create the database for me. And wow. that was it. So it was nice. really powerful. So for, you went from connection string to database to entity framework, probably. Yep. And all of that stuff just got genned and yep. you're done. Yeah, within, I would get an email through saying, hey, could you make a website for this client? And by the end of that day, I would have a pretty pretty good approximation of what they wanted. That's nice. powerful. Yeah. And so you, you made that template by taking a finished project and, and turning it into a template? So I inherited this template. Oh, yeah. Because um, it was in, in my, at my job. Mm -hmm. But I could iterate over this template. So when I got it, it didn't have uh, any service layers, so the they had link queries to the database in the controllers. All right. Uh. So I created a dashboard, and I could see that on one dashboard, 
the values would be X, and for the same supposed value on a different dashboard, it would be Y. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, this isn't good. This is how to upset customers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this then brought me into my love of architecture Mm -hmm. and separating everything out into layers. Maybe over-engineering stuff. But I really love doing that. Mm -hmm. So I started to bring everything into a repository and just tidying Mm -hmm. up the code, learning all the time because I was a junior developer at this stage. Mm -hmm. And it really enabled me to teach myself. So how I would do that, because that was a a framework project, this was all pre-core, I would have to create an instance of the template, Mm -hmm. go through and make my adjustments and then copy that back into the template. Because mm. the templates themselves, because they're parameterized, they don't build. You can't do stuff that you would normally do with them. Yeah. Uh, just because they're not going to build. Um, they've got the parameters in for replacing namespaces, which makes them cool as templates. Right. But to update, they can be tricky, which is why I really like the .NET Core version. Because it does automatic replacement on your namespace yeah. and your project name. So it makes it so much easier to update. So that was quite a joy to work It's with. really only a benefit to maintaining the template. Absolutely. They do a better job of it. Yes. It really makes it easy. So I've been making Twilio templates because I love to have... Everything with user secrets and dependency injection and yeah. every new blog post I do, I have to go through the whole thing again. Right. Mm-hmm. But now I can just do .NET new Twilio MVC and away I go. So wow. it's really improved my workflow. Well, and yeah, the, what hit me there is that sort of fall into the pit of success kind of mindset, right? That you've already put all these pieces in place so that we don't have to remember to put them in place. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing I was finding when I was making a new project. I'd want to go in and, oh, I need this. And I'd start to build my my actual solution. Then I'd be like, oh, I forgot about X, Y, yeah, Z. I, I didn't right. use Key Vault for the secret. Yeah. And, you know. and then you have to go back and maybe retrofit stuff or undo some things. Sure. Or, and it just made the whole process a lot slower. Right. And you just find yourself repeating yourself endlessly. Mm-hmm. And I, there's not enough hours in the day to be bothered doing that. Right. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's that's why I love templates. So with one command, you've got a new website. Absolutely. And you're up and running. Yeah. Yeah. But also just that all of our best practices. I like this idea, especially if you're working in an organization, mm-hmm. that we could start agreeing on this is the right way, the things we like, the tools we like to use, the practices we like to use around a piece of software. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we, we don't need... I don't want a word doc with that stuff in it, you know? It's like, make sure you did this. What about this? What about this? No, it's in the template. Just spit it out. Uh, Absolutely. And as something new comes, say you want to integrate, I don't know, Twilio into it. Right. You want to hold Twilio. (laughs) You would do that. Or maybe you want to use Twilio SendGrid because as of today, Twilio, uh, SendGrid is a Twilio company. Congratulations. So yep. that's super exciting. Obviously, it will be old news now. Yeah, sure. Has, a couple months later. <laughs> it's April. <laughs> yeah, SendGrid is now in Twilio. So if you want to send an email or a text message, you can just implement a new module in your template. Mm-hmm. And maybe mm-hmm. you could have that as a standalone template item mm. that you install on your existing projects or you have a new version of your template so you right. can have an either or so i do love this building on existing knowledge mm. constantly improving what you've already got 
Yeah. Yeah. Do you make separate templates for various configurations? Like, well, this is a project where we're going to use SQL Server on the back end and Twilio. So that's a separate template from I have a general application standard and maybe I can have some options for it. Let's use the Twilio option. Let's use the SQL option. Yes. I like to have templates for various different things. I'm still mm. building on my template library because I kind of forgot about templates for a while. Mm. And just working in general software engineering jobs, I didn't have time to, sure. to play with stuff. I was doing enterprise development. There was no green field mm. or you get home from work and you're too tired to play with stuff. And so mm. it's like I've rediscovered an old passion. Mm -hmm. And so it's quite nice. I'm like, what can I template next? <laughs> so yeah, it is, it's, it's almost addictive and it costs you nothing just to shove them on uh, NuGet or pop them on your marketplace account. So right. and it just makes life easy. So you did tell us how easy it was with .NET Core. What if you're just using the framework? Is it any more difficult? So you need to wrap it in a V6 yeah. file. Um, there are several ways to do this, but the most straightforward way is if you have your your project that you want to make into a template. You need to manually go through and parameterize it. So for example, if you want to change the namespace name, you need to put that as dollar namespace dollar. So the V6 okay. will know to go through and find all the instances of dollar namespace dollar or whatever your parameter is mm. and update that with the new project's name. Yeah. So you have to manually go through and do that. Then you need to export that as a template, which is built into Visual Studio. So you can just go to project on the solution and it will say export template. So that, that's easy when you, right. when you've got your project ready. Sure. Yeah. And then with your V6, I guess that's quite straightforward as mm. well. You would just go and add your new zip file that your export template uh, method gave you and attach that as an asset. In changing namespaces, I've done this before, you have to touch the csproj file too, don't you? You do, yeah. Yeah. You have to touch everywhere. The solution file? Everything. Yeah. Yeah, you have to go through the whole thing. So there should be a tool to do that, shouldn't there? Uh, there probably is, but I'm yet to find it. Or is it, it just grep, right? You uh, search and replace. Uh, yeah, I think I just use uh, find all instances and yeah. find and replace, just go through. And, and it can be quite tedious because then you think, oh, is that, do I need that? Oh no, that's in the bin. I should have cleaned it. And yeah, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't do that in Visual Studio because I don't like Visual Studio yelling at me for a namespace called dollar sign, namespace dollar sign. <laughs> like yeah. I don't need the compiler telling me that's not going to run. I know it's not. Gonna yes, run. <laughs> and it does whinge at you, but that leads on to how it is harder to update date these projects mm -hmm. yeah. as well, which is why when I first did this several years ago, I had to have an instance of it, do my updates and copy it back in, which mm. is prone to error. Yeah. But with .NET Core, you don't have to do that. So updating oh, it is good. a breeze. It's so much easier. You know, uh, this is what I really hate. When people send us tweet with dollar sign, expletive dollar sign <laughs> in it. I really want to know what the expletive is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm disappointed. Yeah. We, I think you've been talking very much in a greenfield context of, mm -hmm. and it's like you had that period where you didn't work on it. I'm betting you were immersed in a project and just weren't lighting up any yeah. file news. Yes, absolutely. I was just stuck plowing through code and yeah. trying to get user stories implemented. Mm. But I think if you're not in greenfield, there is definitely a value in having templates that 
sort of almost mirror your main production website. Sure. Because if you want to do a proof of concept or integrate something new, mm -hmm. you don't want to have to, I mean, you can branch and do it on your existing project. Right. But then you've got a whole load of other fluff and possible places where it could go wrong and maybe it's not your new feature that's going wrong. Mm. You want a, a sort of clean room for your new feature or your proof of concept to go in. So you can get all the app settings for your existing enterprise project. Right. Mm, yeah. And then using the sort of skeleton version of your main solution, you can then put in your new feature and do a proof of concept mm. in the same environment as your main production yeah. code. And so yeah. I think there's real value in having that. Certainly. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of wrestling with that from a project manager's perspective of do I would I rather simply branch in source and let mm -hmm. you do what you want, even if it's an experimental one, and we're just going to throw that branch away, yeah. mm -hmm. as opposed to take the code, gen it into a template, make a new project based on that template, do your experiment. I mean, you're fully away from the code. It, it does mean if we like what you've made – you're pretty much going to have to do it over again as I a brand. I guess it depends what type of proof of concept you yeah, yeah. do. If you're going to do a quick and dirty, does the project manager actually like what I've done? And it's not how you would actually implement right. it. Right. That's the important part. It's yeah. like you presume so, you're going to toss this. Yeah. It's just an idea. It's a throwaway. But you want to make sure that it works in your existing environment. Well, um, and, it, and one of the arguments hmm. I could say in favor of that is, you know, you can't just have a bunch of branches out there. Like, there are consequences that you're going to have yeah. to clean all that stuff up. So yeah. this sure. is a way to be more comfortable with making a very temporary experiment. Absolutely. Mm. That's mm. interesting thinking. But I like know, that. know that you can just toss it away. You can have direct data calls right there in the methods and not mm. have it all neatly tidied away into right. your normal architecture if you want. Sure, but yeah. you've got all your app settings that you know, your, your keychains or whatever you need I available get, to you if you want. What doesn't template from an existing project? Like what is, doesn't? Is, yeah. Is there anything that won't gen, gen into the template? I mean, it's things that probably shouldn't. I'm trying to think of anything that wouldn't go across. I can't think of anything yeah. that wouldn't. It's just code, right? It's, it's all text code. in the end. Yeah. I think you, as long as you put the the lines of code into the project that need it that are needed to make it into a template. Yeah. You can make a template. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. really it's just a form of a copy of the code. Absolutely. Really. That mm. you can you don't have to copy it, paste it, go through and change all the namespaces. Yeah. It's just a nice fresh instance. Yeah. yeah. And I love that. Yeah, no, it's very powerful. And uh, Leila, let me interrupt for just a moment for this very important message. Support for this episode of .NET Rocks is brought to you by MongoDB. You know, as a software engineer, chances are you've crossed paths with MongoDB at some point, whether you're building an app for millions of users or just figuring out a side hustle. As the most popular non-relational database, MongoDB is intuitive and incredibly easy for development teams to use. Now, with MongoDB Atlas, you can take advantage of MongoDB's flexible document data model as a fully automated cloud service on Azure. MongoDB Atlas handles all the costly database operations and admin tasks that you'd rather not spend time on, like security, high availability, data recovery, monitoring, and elastic scaling. Plus, get access to the latest database features as soon as new versions are made generally available. Try MongoDB Atlas today. Visit mongodb.com rocks to learn more. Support is also provided by OzCode. 
Hey, aren't you tired of hitting F10 over and over and over and over and over again? You know, debugging shouldn't be this frustrating and mind-numbing, and it doesn't have to be anymore. OzCode 4.0 is out just in time for Visual Studio 2019, and it will revolutionize the way you debug. For real. OzCode has an intuitive display that works as a cheat sheet for your debugger. It will help you debug link queries with full visibility into how items pass through the pipeline. It's fully integrated with LiveShare, allowing teams to debug collaboratively. But that's just the start of the debugging revolution. With OzCode, you can time travel into the future. Yes, you heard right. Practice live coding to see instant results as you try different bug fixes. Travel across loop iterations to pinpoint the exact moment of failure. F10? Where you're going, you don't need no F10. Try OzCode free for 14 days. And .NET Rocks listeners can use the coupon code D-O-T-N-E-T-R-O-C-K-S and get 25% off your first year's subscription. So what are you waiting for? Go to oz-code.com and try it for yourself. And we're back. Richard Campbell, Carl Franklin. We're here at NDC London. It's yes, .NET Rocks. And we're here with Layla Porter. We're talking a little bit about templates. It's great to sort of refresh on all this stuff. Just kind of forget these great aspects of studio. Yeah. Yes. That have all been there forever. Mm-hmm. And you can get lost in all the new stuff and forget about just your foundations mm-hmm, and sure. just the simple things that make life easier as yeah. a developer. And that's that's the beauty of it. Yeah, and we should spend a little time trying to make what we do more efficient. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we can enjoy the new stuff more because the old stuff that is a little bit more boring, we can get through it quicker. Sure. Yeah, and I'm starting to think in terms of what if we started experimenting with best practices and building templates with these new practices you want to try mm. and then importing old classes from a project to see how they behave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could you could it, it almost feels like it could be a re-architecting strategy. Absolutely. I mean, mm. you can try it any way you like and it allows you to do a couple of iterations with one particular architecture mm. and then go actually you know, from now on, we're going to do it this different way. Right. You readjust your template, have a fiddle around with it, and then move forward. And then you think, mm, maybe we'll go back to this one, and you can switch. And it just gives you the ability to try it, suck right. it and see for a while. Are there repositories, public repositories of templates for Visual Studio out there that people share? Um, I'm sure there are. I've only been looking at .NET Core recently. Yeah stuck in all the new stuff and i know there are a lot of repositories out there i i personally have a repository for my visual studio mm-hmm. attempts mm-hmm. uh i haven't got many on there but yeah. i can't be the only one they, they lend themselves quite well to going into G- github sure. like most stuff so right yeah, yeah. i'm so, sure if you looked for them they're going to be there but it is interesting to start thinking about in larger organizations uh how you would share out a group of of templates that you want to, to span across just internal to an organization, but yeah. any bigger company with a few hundred developers, and you start thinking in terms of the enterprise architect mindset, mm. this is another way to manifest our preferred architectures. Yes. And someone came to speak to me uh, today at NDC as well, um, going that one step higher in the template and maybe with extension, a personal extension for Visual Studio that creates the whole Visual Studio template right. for the whole company. Yeah. 
they came and spoke to me about having their own private NuGet repository and mm-hmm. how they could map that into Visual Studio via a sort of extension for Visual Studio, which is effectively just a template for Visual Studio right. rather than the code for making the um, onboarding of new developers much easier because sure, they yeah. had um, like 300 developers. Yeah, yeah. So mm. that was something I hadn't thought about, but it's yet another application for templates, maybe not for coding, but for workflow. And mm. I really like that as yeah. well. Mm. That's really interesting. A template of the configuration of Studio yeah. for onboarding a new dev. Yeah, that's great. Well, you think about that first month as a developer in a new organization. Absolutely. You spend a lot of time getting your rig right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's it's just one of those things where all the right packages on, all the right pieces on, like getting to a point where you can actually open one of the company's projects. And get to work. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just and be the, able to, do, to push to build and yeah. not have break everything. Run yeah. it locally and it doesn't explode. That's usually the first thing that happens in, in onboarding is you you download the repo, you open the project, and you spend days. <laughs> Weeks. Weeks. Yeah. Laboriously getting it right. Uh, I, hear, I hear a lot of pain in voices. Right <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Trying to figure out where things are and with how the folder structure works. And I am totally smitten with an onboarding template now. Like That's like, wow. Why did I ever yeah. think of that before? I know. Holy man. That's a good idea. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm yeah. thinking, hmm, how, how do I monetize this and start or, going in there? Or multiple templates, right? You mm-hmm. start with something very basic and then say, okay, now it's... Yeah, you know, you're you're a, a front-end person working on a single laser template for that. Yeah. You know, because again, it's also a reflection of the standards of how we build software in our organization. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's like, hey, you know, we're Angular folks and we prefer this set of testing tools for that. And, yeah. You know, to have all of that just pre-configured in a template that is maintained. Yeah. This is it. Because I have had so many onboardings where I'm given some kind of document often some random file on some local server yes and i go in there and it's like three years out yeah, it's, yeah, for two th- it's from 2013 yeah right. <laughs> and i'm like okay so i need all these tools on my system and they like me to have this on my visual studio right and, oh i need to go to this private NuGet repository okay that's great all right i'm ready to bring the code in and they're like mm, oh, nothing well, works we should have updated that yeah oh, it was so and so's job to do it but oh they left like 18 months ago and we haven't had a new person and you just think oh well the end result of that is you can't trust that document you can't yeah. trust no. anything in it well that Nothing. document's always wrong anyway right yeah. Like, yeah. See, word docs are a mistake for all this stuff give me code static documents yeah yeah give yeah. me give me executable a template is executable code give me absolutely code. yeah and, it, and the funny thing is you think about it the simplest way to ma- update that thing if it hasn't been maintained separately is you go to someone who's already producing in that particular area yeah and take a snap take a template of the project mm. yeah and their configuration and gen it rebuild it yeah and then it's good to go for everybody else. Yeah, in theory. Yeah. You know, it, it certainly, you don't start with a bank blank slate and try and reassemble it. No. You go from someone's working machine, make it, and then then maybe groom through it and go, is, is really what we want or is there something odd about this configuration? Yeah. Well, like I said before, though, I mean, you may find yourself in a situation where you're not creating new projects. You're basically working on a, a big existing project yeah, you're with a bunch of people. And uh, there may only be a couple of things that need to be changed. So in that case, you're thinking, I'm thinking like a hybrid solution, right? Where you've got most of the code is there, but there's just a few things that you have to put in there. Yeah. You know? 
and like this your is get credentials and or whatever i don't know well this is it yeah you can just um you know the signing into the the repository whatever it is you know yeah. you can have all of that uh, the thing I like about templates, though, for brownfield development is that it's not always a big solution. Sure. You can have new segments. So if you think, actually, we always have a new service layer. Right. I was just, just thinking, service. like a template for a service. Yep. Absolutely. So you can have a template item. Right. So you can have the sort of skeleton of the service that you want mm-hmm. and that service project or Oh, it may be not even a project. It's a collection of classes and interfaces. And you can have a new instance of that in that brownfield. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. I could see you getting into template for a big, mature project. Yeah. We have a set of templates for making modifications to this project. Absolutely. We have a set of standards around how we do distributed transactions, and that's embedded in I'm creating a new service that does transactions. Yeah. Right, just to to take those question marks off the table. Because what do you normally do? You go look at the existing service and yeah. you cut and paste your way across. And maybe that's not the same as one of the other services. True. It depends which service you look on. Yeah. And maybe who worked on that was working on it last year, or maybe it was someone three years ago, and mm-hmm. that person's no longer there, and that's not best practice. Or they were unhappy that week and hacked out some Yeah, you picked the wrong service code. to look at. Absolutely. So <laughs> you're implementing really nasty stuff, thinking, why are they doing it this way? But hey, let's yeah. keep some consistency. Um, Even if it's consistently bad. Yeah, well, (laughs) I guess it makes, in some respects, it makes it maintaining that bad code easier if it's all bad. Yeah, all bad the same way. Yeah, rather than different levels of bad. (laughs) We don't know what bad we're going to find today. (laughs) Should we be putting these templates in the source control? Maybe not with the solution. Okay. Maybe separately. Mm -hmm. It depends what propriety proprietary IP is in it yeah. as well. Well, I can, and I, I mean, I would even make a separate repository for it, especially when we start talking about configuration templates. Yeah. But it's just a question of how careful we are with them, that we know their history. You know, think yeah. of this whole move towards configuration and code and so forth, where we we want all of that in source so that we know what used to work on a given version. Like yeah. to start thinking in terms of versioning your, your development configuration. But it's still mm. code. Yeah, it's, uh, it's code. still, you know, you still want to change it. If you go in and update configuration, non-sensitive configuration mm-hmm. that you would have, say, in your source control, right? you still want a record of the changes. Sure. Or, hey, this was a really, really bad idea. Let's go back to the previous version. Yeah. Right. And I think absolutely why shouldn't you version mm-hmm. control mm-hmm. your templates? Mm. And because maybe you need to do a recreate an old project or something and you want to use an older version of the template because maybe something's gone wrong in it and you Mm. need to go and have a play around who knows big customer four versions behind exploit has now been found yeah we need to fix that older version of the project and we literally have configured our machines differently now Yeah. yeah so the fact that we can go back and recreate a machine at the state of that old version and be able to get in and make the fix yeah, yeah. great example anything you could take a little less time to do that because you're already on fire right, right. like yep so the the chances of you making a mistake for any of that that's pretty high that's yeah. that's very good thinking around long-term commitment to software mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it's and everything I like to do is all around maintainability. Sure. And I think maintainability for whoever comes to it, mm-hmm. not just me, yeah. my code, I want it to be maintainable for whoever comes 
after right. me or along with me. And that that's what I think is really nice about templates and, and especially having it in version control. They can go and see your decision path yeah. to yeah. how you got to where you are now. Sure. Yeah, it just looks like more of a stack of the important elements to understanding a piece of software as a whole. Yeah. Now, it's not just the code that was built to make the project, but the code of the environments that helped make it in the first yeah. place. That's that's a very interesting piece of thinking. I'm, I'm amused by that now. It's like, ah, <laughs> why have I not done this? Yeah, you have to dig around further into but it. But of course, you know, all the dependencies have to go along with that, yeah. right? I mean, database schemas and all of that. Yeah. All of the, all, well, I think that's one of the assets I would think in building a template is a place to, to include this is where the repository exists. Yeah. This is the kind of databases we're using. Right. This is what the connection strings live. Like, yeah. Just so that you're not blind on all of that. Yeah. Here's the script to create the database. Yeah. Maybe even. Well, you know, we've been talking on the DevOps side about, you know, more scriptable databases as a whole. Mm -hmm. It's always a problem, child. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, if you're in uh, Azure DevOps, you're going to want maybe a template for your YAML file. Yeah. yeah. Those, you That's know? right. Yeah. You start going down that route and you start templating up your your DevOps sort of pipelines. Uh oh, we're hitting template all the things. Template yeah, template all, all, all the, the things. things. <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I can get behind that. But that's also, you know, anything you're going to do more than once it should have been a script. Yeah. This is just a tool for scripting a fairly large variety of stuff. So, yeah, yeah that's really, that's really cool. Where do you get into trouble? Are there, are there parts where we're going to need to debug this or? I think the trouble is when you're working on framework and you have, you want to update it. Not as opposed to .NET Core. As opposed to .NET Core, yeah. where it's easy because you don't have this parameterized namespace. Right. So you can actually do your updates on the template itself. Right. And you can build it and you can still run the template mm. in .NET Core. Yeah. But if you're in framework or you're using Core for a V6 template, right. mm. not just... Um, core uh not just framework but mm -hmm. core as well but you want it to be a file new project on visual studio mm. that's where you can come a cropper so you have to create an instance of your template do your updates and then copy the diff over to the template mm -hmm. and i don't like that mm. yeah I, I i could think when you if you went then to check in to sort or check in it as source and then yeah. compare it for the previous versions. Yeah. This it's going to be a mess. Like you're not going to see just the changes you, you, you no. were trying to make. So it is, I think that's where it can get messy. And I mm -hmm. would probably version the templates. Yeah. And I wouldn't try and update the existing template. Yeah. Right. Or I would go, right, let's draw a line in the sand. That was template one. Right. And not have any, subversions of that 1.02 yeah, or anything no like that. No minor tweaks. That's it. That was version one. Right. This now is version two. Yeah. So there may not be the continuity that you want from it, but mm. you're always going to do a new project with this template. You're right. not yep. going to be updating an old solution and having breaking changes or things like yeah, that. Yeah, that's smart. You just have, right, line in the sand. This is version two. What's mm. the difference? And you can document that in the readme. Um, mm. 
And you can still use version one. Say you don't want this new feature or right. you don't need it. Mm-hmm. You've still got the option to use version one. Yeah. I think updating templates in, in for V6 templates is the difficult part. Yeah. And it sounds like it was a mistake in earlier models. Yes. Like they fixed this in core yeah. for a reason. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm also thinking about things like all of the, you're starting a new project. What do we need to know? The fact that the template sort of comes at you with what's our key vault information? What's yeah. our Azure accounts? Yeah. Where does prod live? Where does test live? Like just that all of those variables and things are already defined, all those settings. So that at least it's sitting there staring you in the face going, yep. you should answer these before you start typing. It makes right. you think a lot more about what you're doing yeah, as well. Sure. It makes you more considered because like, oh, I forgot about that because I've not coded in that part of the project. Right. Or it's not the immediate ages. problem in front of you. No. You know, We're always trying to just fix the immediate problem rather than make, this is sort of driving us into the context of this piece of software is going to last for a while and we Absolutely. need to worry about all these things. Do we have to know anything about T4 to do all this stuff? It sounds like you don't. Nope, nothing at all. Hmm. Yeah. So, Where does that leave T4? Is it the old tech now? No, I think it's just automated, right? Yeah. yeah. I think you can bring it in if you want. You, you don't have to. You can. It's entirely up to you. Hmm. So. Interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Anything we missed? Sounds like we're coming to the end of the conversation. Yeah, here. I think we've covered a lot about templates. Yeah. yeah. Use yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. They're your friend. They You'll are be happier. Awesome. Templates will save you time. Yeah, I love it. It's yeah. great, great conversation. All right. Well, thanks a lot. It's been great right. talking thank to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank All you. Right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a, a